Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris and we're off and running again. We're going to talk about how to deal with agitation. And uh, we talked about in the last podcast that agitation has benefits and drawbacks and it's really important to get the idea that uh, the, that what most people will talk about in order to handle agitation is the concept of bamboo. Now, bamboo bends this way and bends that way and bends this way and bends that way, but it remains strong. Absolute bullshit and total rubbish application to work. If you come to your workplace bending like a piece of bamboo, yes, you will avoid conflict. Yes, you will avoid um, disruption with other people. Yes, you will feel peaceful and calm inside, but you'll be walked on, you'll be trodden on, people will cross your boundary, you won't know where you're going and where they're going, you will not have a feeling of your values, you will not have a feeling of inspiration, you will not have a feeling of inner core application, you will be engaged, but you will be engaged in a game of pleasing people. Now, if you want to take the model of of a piece of bamboo, I would suggest you stick the bamboo up your bum. That would be a far better way to go to work than it would be to behave like a stick of bamboo out there in the forest. Now, it's okay to be a stick of bamboo when you're at home. You can be a stick of bamboo when you're at home because you do not want to have conflict with your partner and you trust them not to walk all over you and bend you backwards and forwards and twist you and turn you. You can bend and so you can become malleable and adaptable in your domestic environment so you create a beautiful home life and a soft, warm flow for the kids and you. That's a fabulous metaphor. Fabulous. You couldn't think of a better metaphor. If you want a better metaphor for being at home with the kids and your partner and your family, bamboo is the one. That's it. Stick it. That's a beautiful. Take it to work and you might as well surrender now. Surrender now. Surrender now. It's not going to work. At work, there's got to be something a little more mm, powerful than being a stick of bamboo, bending over and taking it whenever they give it to you and bending over and delivering it whenever they don't. You've got to come up with a better model, a better metaphor for workplace than, goodness gracious me, a stick of bamboo. Oh, goodness me, whoever made success in business being a stick of bamboo? Nobody. So, let's talk about an option. Firstly, Balancing agitation when it becomes red flagged, means it's gone too far, is an important part of life. It's essential. It's important to be able to recognize when your body is feeling overwhelmed. What are the three red flags that you've been given by me over and over and over again ad nauseum to make sure you don't become a stick of bamboo in your workplace? Balanced, centered, calm. There they are. Balanced mind, centered body, calm nerves. Now, if you lose mind balance, you become emotional, you become an idiot, you become a clown, you become a circus performer, you've become an actor on a stage and business is not and work is not an actor on a stage. You might think it is and get all depressed and 
and hypey-pipey about how everyone's behaving. You don't like this person. You don't like that. You do not have the luxury in your workplace to give yourself that privilege. You are paid to go to work, to deliver a quality of work, add value, and the more value you add, the more secure you'll be and the stronger you'll be. So there it goes. Now, if you want to take the stick of bamboo metaphor and go, oh, I've got emotions at work and oh, oh, I don't know what to do and this one doesn't do that and he doesn't do that and she doesn't do that and they're all over me. Retire now. Go and sit on the beach because you're not going to survive the whole business thing, career thing and enjoy the fruits. You'll be dead by the time you're 40 or 50. Heart attack. So, when the red flag goes off, bang, balance, centered, calm, any one of those three, if you're not balanced in the mind, in other words, unemotional, detached, if you can't see, think clearly, stop, work, now. Agitation has gone too far and you will be forced. Remember, nature's got a great game going on. If you go too far in one direction, she just pulls you up and takes you in the other. So if you get too agitated, what's nature going to do? She's going to give you the most expensive seminar on earth. What's that? A hospital bed. You don't need that. You've got a coach. You've got Chris. You don't need a hospital bed to arrest your agitation. No way. So, red flags are saying agitation's gone too far. And we're going to do in a minute, red flags are going to say agitation hasn't gone far enough because both are very, very dangerous to your business life. If you go to work trying to be peaceful and calm and nice to everybody and have fun and enjoy yourself and be oh, totally engaged and relaxed and not disturbed and come home on time and do all the things right and be nicely balanced, give up now. That is not how a business works. At the same token, if you, if you go to work and your nervous system is cooked so there's no calm within your nerves, if your, um, if your body is aching and you're hunched over your desk like uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame, who, by the way, was interviewing for a job, ran forward, slipped, hit his head on the bell and died, and the interviewer came up and looked down and said, hmm, body looks familiar but the face doesn't ring a bell. That was a joke, mid of all this. If you're not, if you can't, if you, if you don't have enough agitation, if you have, if you don't have balance centered and calm in your workplace, you're, you're going to be like a stick of bamboo. One minute you're going to be agitated, next minute you're going to be trying to be super relaxed. That is a really stupid model for business life, career. Now, let's go back to this. How do you, if the red flag goes off, you've lost balance, you've lost centering and you've lost calm. Work out whether it's one of two things, too much or too little agitation. Too little agitation will give you lost balance, lost centered and lost calm. Your nervous system with too little agitation will become hyper. It will become uh, uh, spooked like boo and you'll jump out of your seat like that and you'll go oh, 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 and you'll know that your nervous system is in floaty mode floaty mode floating down the stream and you cannot work in a floaty mode nobody works in a floaty mode calm means present 
Calm means turned up. Calm means on, switched on, turned up, available. It doesn't mean talking to people about, oh, how did the tennis go on the weekend? Or how did, you know, what, oh, what's going on over there? Oh, it's so bad. No, calm, turned on means switched on, focused, engaged, full on. It's a switch. Turn it on when you go to work. So there can be too much agitation, too little. And the solution to both is exactly the same because the consequences of both are exactly the same. A person who doesn't have a commitment to the business, doesn't have a commitment to their work, doesn't have focus on what they're doing, is trying to drift through life with some spiritual yogi metaphor of living in uh, nirvana and drifting along, merrily along, is a person who's who's got too much agitation in their brain, in their heart, in their mind, got too much, and they're looking for the opposite. There will be never a person going to a yoga or a meditation who isn't over-agitated because a person who isn't over-agitated doesn't need that stuff to, to bring them back to normal. So let's just talk about how you can prevent yourself getting red-flagged Red flag, the World Cup soccer's on right now, and red flag means you're off, cooked out, burnt, finished, finished for the entirety of the whole competition. Red flag. Do not let these red flags go off too many times for yourself. So number one, make time for yourself. Now I call this retrospection. You sit down in a chair and you, and you think back over the past, over the day, over the week, over the month, over whatever it is. Do it when you get into bed. Think back over the day. And anything you're not thankful for, write it down because that's your homework. Anything you're not th thankful for, you're going to breed, you're going to attract, or you're going to make more of it. It's going to repeat, repeat, repeat until you get it. So anything that you're not thankful for from the past, that's your homework. So number one, make time for yourself to chillax. Sit. I've got a favorite chair in a favorite corner of my office in a favorite place surrounded by... Um, bits and pieces that I like and I sit in that chair and I deliberately don't read a book, I deliberately don't bring my phone to the chair and I deliberately turn off all sound around the phone so that I can just sit in retrospect, just sit alone with myself. If you don't like yourself, you won't sit with yourself. So this time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, some people call it meditation, they put on some soft music, but the most important thing about this time where you look in retrospect is you don't close your eyes, you don't drift off into nu-nu-nu-nu land. That's going to the overcook the, the agitation, relaxation element of this thing and that's going to trigger agitation when things don't go your way. So make time for yourself. Number two, learn to meditate. Now, I've just gone through a whole rigmarole of saying don't meditate, but the meditation I, I teach is a powerful meditation and that's called mobile meditation. My mobile meditation is when I send people out in the morning to take a photo of nature, to go and hug a tree, to kiss a bird, to pee on a blanket or something. My mobile meditation is when you see beauty in the reality of everyday life. And this is a crucial part of your day. It's a crucial part of sustaining a balanced level of relaxation and agitation. Mobile meditation the real world is meditation. 
the witnessing of beauty, the ability to see the sunrise, the ability to see the beauty of a grain of sand or a blue bottle on a beach or a, a little lizard on the front doorstep or a fly in the kitchen or a mosquito and the ability to wake you up at night. These things are things of miraculous beauty and you don't have to go online to see beauty. You don't have to have music in your ears to do mobile meditation. Life is a mobile meditation. The beauty of people around you trying to do their work, trying to be uh, follow their religious or their spiritual beliefs, making a total mess of it, there's beauty. There's beauty in itself because it's the human condition and how ignorant it becomes with emotion. And you can see that as a thing of beauty because everybody's learning. Exercise is the next one. Now, if you're not exercising on a daily basis, you're cooking the chicken way past its use-by and it's drying out. Now, I don't know if you've ever, if, if you're a vegetarian, apologize for this conversation, but if you ever eat a chicken that's been overcooked, it is far, far, far more horrible than eating one that's been undercooked. Although I would prefer not to catch the disease from an undercooked chicken. So you get in there and you cook the chicken to the right temperature. Exercise is the cooking process. If you over-exercise, the chicken's going to be dry. It's going to get old before you, before you do. And you're going to have a body that's burnt out, didn't last the distance. It's like not saving for, for your retirement. It's a stupid thing. So over-exercise is as dangerous as under-exercise. You need to support and challenge your body. There they are. There's the two words. And exercise means you agitate your body to a certain point, and that's a science. You agitate your body to a certain point. You push it to a certain point two, three times a week. You push it to a certain point, and then after it you do the corpse pose, and you relax and recover your body to a certain point. And these two must be carefully managed. Everybody's keen to exercise. I know lots of people, young people, middle management people who will never get past middle management in their life because they're so enthusiastic to go to the gym, so enthusiastic to go for a run, so enthusiastic to go for a bike ride, so enthusiastic to climb a mountain. But if you say, now, recover from it, they'll go, bugger that, I want to do more. And what that person is basically doing is slow suicide. If you do not recover from exercise, it's not re exercise, it's burnout. It's exhaustion and it is absolutely sabotaging your life. So exercise is a science. You need to do it. I suggest every single day. Going for a walk is good exercise. A fast walk is better exercise. Doing whatever you do is good exercise. But exercise includes the recovery process where you give your body a chance to recuperate before you do the next bunch of exercise on that muscle. Did you know that a weightlifter who wants to look really strong or be really strong only exercises that muscle to exhaustion once a week? It takes the rest of the week to, to rebuild that muscle. The next one is sleep. For goodness sakes, guys, sleep is a drug. If it were uh, uh, called a drug, it would be banned in all sport. Sleep is the most powerful powerful performance development drug on the planet and good sleep means good performance now whether you're talking about your brain or your body it's inconsequential so 
A person who is not getting enough sleep is over-agitated. A person who's getting too much sleep, waking up tired, is over-relaxation. Manage it. Next one, eat healthy. Now we know, we know for a fact, it's really hard in the West, but we know for a fact that the evening meal is a mistake. We know for a fact that going to bed with a belly full of food is tantamount to stupid. Most of the digestive process that you have in your body requires movement. And when a, and in fact my chiropractic associate that I worked with for 20 years says nearly 100% of all lower back pain is caused by people who eat too much before they go to bed and leave the lungs with not enough room to move and they get a bad back as a result. So we've got to make sure how we eat. Now, agitation and relaxation therefore can be measured in your diet because when you take a poo, you either got two choices, fluffy floaties or sinky stinkies. If they sink and they stink, there's probably not enough fiber and too much meat in your diet. If they fluff and they float, there's probably too much fiber in your diet. One is relaxation, one is agitation. It's obvious you've got to find a balance and I don't want to describe what that is. So... um the diet that you have and how often you eat during the day and whether you eat well, whether you eat too much sugar and all these things is a learning process. Everyone's different. But I honestly think that if we eat every couple of hours, we snack, we keep away from the sugars, all the white products, including fruit, um, especially fruit juices, which are labeled as being healthy, which they're absolutely not. Keep away from the watermelons and keep away from the really high sugar products and we also become really aware that when we drink tea or coffee with sugar in it we're actually getting fat and exhausting ourselves the last one is to talk to someone now i don't want to blow my own trumpet here but i think having a coach is a really important part whether it's me or somebody else doesn't matter but it can't be someone you're friends with if you become a friend of a coach, that person is no longer a coach because they have lost the ability to challenge you. If you are agitated and it's gone too far, the purpose of coaching is to support you and bring you down, bring you down back, help you relax, to understand, to put order in the chaos, to understand the complexity of something and bring you down, bring you down out of agitation. And if you're relaxing too much, like, oh, Chris, I don't think I need any coaching this week. I think all's going well. Um, it's not a problem. I, I don't think there's much to talk about this week, and I'd rather just uh, skip it and come back next week. You've over-relaxed. You've fallen asleep at the steering wheel. You're driving towards a brick wall at 100 mile an hour, but you've fallen asleep at the wheel. We grow at the border of agitation and relaxation. And so a person who's saying, oh, I don't need to talk to anybody, everything's good, I'm all fine, I don't need a coach, I don't need anyone, what I'll do is I'll go and blab in my ear of my partner and burn her ear off or his ear off with all my work problems and all my life problems and that'll do it. The only reason we do that is because that person is handcuffed. They cannot challenge us when we've gone too far and they cannot 
uh, relax us when we're agitated. Maybe they've got they've got half the equation. Maybe they can be um, uh, an enabler when we're agitated. They can enable us to be more agitated because they can agree with the source of it. And maybe they can be an enabler for us to relax because they can agree with the source of it or the solution to it. But that is not what we're talking about. If you're agitated, if you're agitated, you do not need validation. You do not need to be enabled to blame something and therefore become more agitated. And if you're over relaxing and chilling out and uh, complacent, you don't need someone who says, oh, I'm so glad you're complacent because I get more time with you at home. You don't need that. That is not healthy solution to agitation. So there's the six. Talking to someone, eating healthy, getting enough sleep, exercise, mobile meditation and make time for yourself. There's the six solutions to red flags in agitation and relaxation. Now I just want to talk for the last few seconds of this podcast which has now gone on for 20 minutes, far longer than you would like I'm sure to talk about the concept of meditation. Meditation has for many, many years been used to manage stress, improving people's health and improving your well-being. However, it's about two and a half thousand years old and I wonder if the pace of life when meditation first came out on the planet, to go, let's meditate up in the Himalayas, there were corporate uh, uh, entities where there was no, uh, certainly no internet, no mobile phones, no Netflix, the cars were not made of electricity and blah, blah, blah. And I think that meditation has done its time. The concept of meditation is brilliant. The concept of what it does for you. But meditation in the traditional sense of sitting down with your, on a, on a cushion with your eyes closed with fluffy music playing, and trying to bring you into a state of relaxation simply is a causation in my experience from myself and all the people I've ever worked with who meditate. It is a causation to become more agitated by agitation. So when we obsess with the benefits of meditation, we want to relax. We want work to relax us. We want our partner not to be disturbing to us. We want the world around us to be the way we want it to be. So we're all meditating. And we end up having to go and live in Byron Bay and smoke joints in the forest in order to live. And this is no concept of living. Meditation is meant to be a centralizing force. Meditation is a, meant to be a force that brings you to center halfway between relaxation and agitation. And if you learn Zen, if you go and learn Zen, open-eyed, staring at a wall, there is absolutely a clear focus on being fully 100% present. And 100% present is agitated while you're relaxed. And it's a powerful thing, balanced, centered, calm. First, meditation is difficult because it takes a long bloody time. Now, if you go and meditate in a retreat for a weekend, that's fantastic because guess what? It'll take you the first day to chillax and get down and get in the cushion, get ready for it. It'll take you halfway through the second day to be really in it and then you've got to start getting ready to pack and go home or whatever. The fact is when you're in an environment which isolates you from the agitation of the real world, it is great. Meditation is a, in a retreat, 
all day, every day is fantastic. But every meditation retreat you'll ever go to says that's all you do. You do a little bit of yoga to keep your body moving. You eat really calmly and relaxed. You relax to the meditation hall. You meditate. Then you come out of the meditation hall and you relax. And then you go over there and you relax. And then you relax some more. Then you meditate some more. And so it's a thing you can do when the environment you're in is non-agitated. And so it polarizes you into a powerful, powerful state of relaxation. And that's fabulous if you want a couple of weeks to recuperate from agitation, excess agitation. But think about it. What if you didn't agitate so much? You wouldn't need two weeks sitting on your butt in a, in a farmhouse meditating. And so I don't know about you, but... I don't want to waste my life sitting on a cushion, relaxing. That's not life. There is no nirvana. There is no excess, a place to escape. There is just the opposite to agitation for some people who are excessively agitated. And so the recommendation is here, is that balanced mind, centered body, calm nerves, during the course of a day is the equivalent to a thousand years of meditation because you're in meditation, in life, in the moment. And it's also the equivalent to a thousand years of agitation, but not to the excess where it controls you, where you control it. The second part about meditation as a form of relaxation, it's bloody uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but my body doesn't like sitting on itself, on its butt cheeks, sitting around doing frickin' nothing while my knees ache and my mind runs around going, I'd love to go for a swim, I'd love to go for a bike ride, I wonder what this day is like, oh look at the flower. So although I've learnt to do it, I don't think it's really, really the way you live. I don't think it's life. I think it's escapism from life. And it's the, it's the reaction to too much agitation, which is caused by excess of something. Excess agitation causes people to want excess of meditation. And so I think finding the middle ground where you just hum along and you're meditating while you're agitating, this is the clue. We can call it magitating. The third reason meditation and relaxation is too passive is because some of us love doing shit. And for me, this passive approach of sitting around with my thumb up my backside, sitting on a cushion waiting for time to expire so I can go and do something that I love, is boring. It's boring and it makes me Agitated. So the idea of sitting still on a cushion, the way they teach it in the West, is for me dead boring and it makes me agitated to get out and go and do something so I get over agitated by over relaxing. When I go up into the Himalayas and the monks are chanting, their eyes are open and they're reading a book 
and they're chanting the book. And they're drinking a cup of tea and they're reading a book to keep them concentrating on the Dharma. They're learning these words, these Tibetan words. They're learning Sanskrit. They're, they're practicing these words and chanting the words and chanting the sheets in a certain sequence causes a certain result to which they have no attachment. And there's little kids running around with biros with the with the the ink part taken out, so the little plastic, the old pens with a with a clear um, clear inside, with putting rice in them and using them as pea shooters to shoot the monks in the ears and on the neck while they're meditating. And the monks think this is hilarious, and so it's not boring. And finally, you've got to learn this stuff. My associates up in the Himalayas, and I call them my friends and my family up there, they, some of them have been in the monkhood since they were five years old, really young, and they're now 85 years old. So if I add that up, that's about 80 years every day meditating, and they still are learning how to do it. They've got blood pressure problems, they've got sore knees, they have no money, they've never had to run a business, they've never had a relationship, they've never had anything. What they've had is meditation. And so for them, it's a business and they're not relaxed. They're not relaxing to learn meditation. It's the opposite. It's very strict and they've they're trying to practice what's on these sheets and read them and thousands and thousands and memorize them and memorize them. And then they finally get put in a hole for three years, three months, three days, three hours and 30 seconds to sit in a hole all by themselves and get fed food for three years living by themselves. That takes about 20 years of training to be able to like yourself that much. So, while meditation and relaxation are really important for us, I would suggest mobile meditation is the modern version. While relaxation is a powerful tool, I absolutely say that the idea of running away to your Christmas holidays and running away from work is a sign that you really are not performing at your best while you're at work. Balance-centered calm is living the balance between agitation and relaxation and why would you need a break from that? Why would you need a break from living? Meditating, mobile meditation and agitated means excited about, enthusiastic about and inspired about your life. Why would you want to run away from that beautiful line? And the answer is because you've either gone too far in the agitation world or too far in the meditation world and you need to come back to some form of reboot and rebalance. But I would suggest that's a half a day. Time is precious. Life is precious. Why would you waste it? Getting weak and weak and weak by meditating and relaxing or agitating and losing the plot mentally. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Hope you've had fun here today. I have. Bye. <laughs>